We are a spiritual teaching that blesses all spiritual teachers. We know that there is no wrong way to worship. And whether that is lighting a candle, lighting a menorah, burning incense, or offering a prayer, there is no wrong way to worship because we know that even though the path may appear quite different, the destination is really the same. We are here inspiring the recognition of spirit in all. Something wonderful is always happening here at the Center for Spiritual Living, and today is absolutely no exception. If you're visiting us here today, or if you're fairly new to the center, don't forget to stop in at the back table to my right after the service this morning. We've got a nice little package of information and a couple of gifts, especially for you. And now will you just stay, uh, remain seated as this wonderful music ministry invites us to sing with them Hands of Grace. We are so blessed to have this wonderful music team where we truly do feel held in the hands of grace. I have a few announcements. The Path of Discovery class is a very popular class for people who would like to find out a little more about our teaching and our center. And it will be held in, on March the 9th. It's a three-week 
class, and you can sign up for the back, at the back today after the service if you'd like to take that class. There's no cost for that. Meditation from the master's class. There is an insert in your bulletin, and it's a class led by Sue Stevens. It's a very popular class. It begins on March the 11th. There is a maximum of 16 students who uh, can be in that class, so if you're really keen to take it, probably today is a good time to sign up. Also, the business breakfast is on March the 12th, also a very popular event. And this, uh, this time, it's Jillian Andres who will be speaking on the topic of fulfillment. Whether you measure success in terms of personal or professional, learn to transcend from the good life to the great life. So create business success using these wonderful spiritual tools. It's a $20 buffet breakfast, and you can sign up today as well at the back after the service at the registration table. Our in-house celebrity, Dr. Gantz, and I understand that his workshop was featured on television last night and advertised. So there's a great brochure in your bulletin, and Dr. Gantz... If you just like to wave, he's at the back this morning, and he'd be very happy to take any questions and give you more information about his wonderful class. It will be on March the 14th from 9.30 to 1, and it's all about communication and relationship mastery. And I know most of us are interested in mastering that. So save the date on March the 15th as well for our annual general meeting. It's happening at 1 o'clock right after service, and all, everyone is invited to attend, but members, if you are planning to, if you're unable to be there that week, could you please sign a proxy at the back after service today? We have a featured guest soloist today, and he's a man who's been performing as a soloist at the center since 2004. Today's a special occasion for him as he's here too to kind of do a little promo for his release, his new CD release, and his CD is called J. Anthony Willis. So now you know who this is going to be, and he's releasing it here on Saturday the 21st, um, and he's coming with an eight-piece band that night. Our two uh, famous in-house musicians, Robin Walters and our own Anna Beaumont, are also going to perform with him. There's a $10 charge, and you can pay at the door. So Jay will be here this morning after the services, and you can get more information or sign up and uh, save a spot. So welcome, Jay Willis. Thank you. Yes. My facial features are on a poster there, right in the bookstore. It's kind of funny to look at. This song is called Warrior. It's on the CD. I wrote it uh, shortly after the death of my father, and I was uh, driving back west, crossing the prairies, and I saw this amazing sunset, and I had this vision. Shifting before my eyes, a swirling shadow in the falling fire of the sudden sun. 
Great song, Jay. Thank you. I'd like to introduce the practitioners of the day. They are Sonia Rem, Elaine Warwick, Laura Cameron, and myself. We will be available to you after this service. And please join us in the one-minute ministry in this little room to my left after the service. And now I'd like to introduce Sonia Rem, who will be doing this morning's reading. Good morning, everyone. This reading is from the book uh, that Reverend uh, Patrick is reading from this month. Once there was a young warrior. Her teacher told her that she had to do battle with fear. She didn't want to do that. It seemed too aggressive and was scary. 
It seemed unfriendly, but the teacher said that she had to do it and gave her the instructions for the battle. The day arrived, and the student warrior stood on one side, and fear stood on the other. The warrior was feeling very small, and fear was looking big and wrathful, and they both had their weapons. The young warrior roused herself and went toward fear, prostrated three times, and asked, May I have permission to go into battle with you? Fear said, Thank you for showing me such respect that you ask permission. And then the young warrior said, How can I defeat you? Fear replied, My weapons are that I talk fast and I get very close to your face. Then you get completely unnerved and you do whatever I say. And if you don't do what I tell you, I have no power. Can you listen to me? And you can have respect for me. You can even be convinced by me. But if you don't do what I say, I have no power. And in that way, the student warrior learned how to defeat fear. This is how it actually works. There has to be some kind of respect for the jitters, some understanding of how our emotions have the power to run us around in circles. That understanding helps us discover how we increase our pain, how we increase our confusion, and how we can cause harm to ourselves. Because we have basic goodness, basic wisdom, basic intelligence, we can stop harming ourselves and harming others. Because of mindfulness, we see things when they arise. Because of our understanding, we don't buy into the chain reaction that makes things grow from minute to expansive. We leave things minute. They stay tiny. They don't keep expanding into World War III or domestic violence. It all comes through learning to pause for a moment, learning not to just impulsively do the same thing again and again. It's a transformative experience to simply pause instead of immediately filling up the space. By waiting, we begin to connect with the fundamental restlessness as well as the fundamental spaciousness. Thank you. And so now it's my honor and, uh, to introduce you to our teacher, our spiritual leader, Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning. Well, here we are. We set our clocks, didn't we? Yes, we did. So, and Sue is back with us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can you smell it? Can you feel it? It's you. It's you. It's us. It's consciousness. It's the energy, it's the vibration of the Most High. It's a good thing, sweet thing, sweet, sweet, sweet. So when we talk about it, I do a thing, we're going to get to our singing and our praying here in a moment, but I have a workshop that I do with people, and I haven't done it here yet, but it's called a, a, a Heavenly Cocktail Party. And so when you go to the Heavenly Cocktail Party, there's no alcohol, but what you have to do is you have to see the divine in everyone, and your conversation has to be in heaven. 
and I, and I love it. What happens is every, so when you meet someone, it's not about, oh, let me tell you about my day. It's about, let me tell you about my day, and let me tell you about you, because I can see your beauty. I can see your light. I can see the infinite divine presence in you. And I'll tell you, after about an hour and a half of being forced to have that conversation with one another, the whole vibration in the room elevates. Keeping our conversation in heaven. It's such a simple thing to do. So I'm going to invite you on this beautiful day to stand with me if you'd like, or stay seated. We're going to sing a song, and we're going to say a prayer. We're going to elevate our conversation and keep it in heaven. In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very room in this very room so know with me We've come together in agreement today. And let us agree upon this. There's one power. There is one presence. There is one life. And as we choose it, it chooses us. And so in that beautiful repose of welcome, in that beautiful yes, let us welcome that and understand and recognize our oneness with it. And as we become a more complete expression of it, our lives are transformed in every way possible so that that which is important and right for us to know in this moment and each moment hereafter I, along with you, invite that awareness, those ideas. May the ideas, the music, the energetics, the vibration of the Most High that we stand in and as this day be a beautiful welcome, an open doorway to that experience. So wherever we are experiencing suffering or lack or limitation in our lives, let us know that there is something for us to know about this. There is something for us to allow this experience to transform us into that person that we have incarnated to be and so I give thanks I give thanks for all the blessings I give thanks for the opportunity to come together in community and be reminded of this powerful powerful teaching and the opportunity to apply it with as much diligence and care and love in my life as possible this day for this is the only moment this is the only day I have to live for this I give thanks for this beautiful day for this opportunity I release these words knowing that the universe, this infinite divine intelligence, knows far better than I do, the highest and the best for me. And I show up. I show up to my life. For this I give thanks, and I invite you to say with me, and so it is. Beautiful. A little horse this morning went to the Rexall place last night. Anybody ever been to the Rexall place? Been to, went to the Rexall place last night, and... And the Eagles, the musical group, the Eagles were performing. Some friends called, so we have tickets. They had great tickets, great seats. Excuse me. And so I ended up, <coughs> excuse me. You know, I, I've always liked the Eagles. I've never loved the Eagles, but I love the Eagles now. <laughs> oh, it was, they were fabulous. The harmonies, 
I'm telling you, the harmonies made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Oh my gosh, those guys. And they don't even like each other. I mean, I think they, I think they love each other. See, I just don't think they like each other. It's the difference. So, last week we talked about radiance. We talked about radiance. And radiance is such a beautiful, beautiful uh, experience. Talked about I had when I had seven sisters. Still have seven sisters. And, and I said, when you have seven sisters, you end up with eight moms. And someone came in to see me this week and said, you know, I realize we don't have enough men around this place. I thought, great. Now I got one more thing to focus on. We don't have enough men. And my point was, this was not a bad thing. I'm telling you, as a kid, I probably needed eight moms, okay? So the universe knows, shows up where it needs to show up, when it needs to show up. And I want to just welcome Sue back. Her mother made her transition, and we love you. I was telling the gang last week, Laura and I went to uh, Lake Louise, and we played your CD there and back, and it's just incredible. It is amazing. If you don't have her Sue Hodges CD, it's in the bookstore. It is an amazing. The arrangements, Brown Anderson, I know that many of you, if not all of you, sang on it. It's incredible. And your CD is being released, right? Yes. Mr. Jay Willis, who's performing with us today. So we are really blessed to have musical talent around here. <clears throat> so we're, we've, been, we've been looking at Pima Chodron's book, when things fall apart. <clears throat> and I find it always interesting in my life, whenever I pick up a book of the month and we start to have the discussion, the things that, that I'm discussing with you start to happen in my own life. So I just, the, the correlations are amazing. And in this week, I wanted to talk a bit about the eight worldly dharmas. In Buddhism, in Buddhism, there are three primary cores. There's the teacher, which is the Buddha. There's the sangha, which is the community. This is a sangha. Community is very important, really important. For me, anyway, my experience is that I can't do this work not in community. Some can, a few can, but most need community, and I need community. And the other one is the Dharma, and the Dharmas are the teachings. And so, uh, a wonderful little book. If you don't have it, the reading that uh, Sonia did this morning, I selected from the book, When Things Fall Apart. And there's eight worldly Dharmas. There's pleasure versus pain. There's praise versus criticism or blame. There is fame versus disgrace. And there is gain. There's getting what we want and there's losing what we have. And so these are all opportunities for us to learn. That's part of the Dharma, the teaching. So the Buddhists approach all of this as a teaching. And so I thought about a story of this in my own life that I wanted to share with you because stories are good and I think they're a really good illustration. Rather, let me stand up here and give you theory. When I was in grade two, we called it second grade, but in Canada we have this unique language, we call it grade two. <clears throat> we call it university and hospital. It's the hospital and the university down below the 49th parallel. But I think that's about the only differences in language that I can detect. <clears throat> but anyway, and A, yes, but we don't say A. I don't know anybody that says A. A? Anyway, so I'm in grade two, right? And I have to understand with my mom, now we had a lot of kids. We were kids everywhere in our house. There were 11 of us, and we were all over the place. And so I'm four years old, and my mom says, I think it's time for you to go to school. And so she put me into school. I was three weeks away from being old enough to start with my class, but she decided I was old enough, and I don't blame her, because I would have probably would have put me in school early anyway. And, and what happens when they do, when, when your mother does that, or when you, you know, you're not just three weeks Ahead, you're like a year behind everybody. And when you're four and everybody else is five, it's huge. You know, it's like high school to college. 
So anyway, they throw me in, and I made it through grade one, and it was, it was good, because they had the really sweet, and I went to a Catholic school, really sweet, Sister Bernadette. She was just, she was grace personified. We should have a banner up here for her, my first grade, grade one teacher. Anyway, got into grade two, and you know, you get to know one another, and the experience, and all, the, all those, uh, those things that go on, and we had a guy in our class that everybody loved, and everybody looked up to. We loved this guy, Billy Frankie, and Billy we loved because Billy had his own dispensary in the back of the class. He would have all the good stuff. You could go back there. If you didn't have a lunch, you could go back, and with you know, a dollar or two, you could buy Twinkies. You could buy uh, the, uh, remember the candy corn? He always had a supply of candy corn. He always had the, the Lickamade. Remember Lickamade? Mm, man, I'm telling you, he had all the basic essentials. A guy, Lickamade was like, it's like a, a stick. It's like sugar. It's pure sugar with a little bit of flavor in it. And you pour it out, it's a powder, and then you, you lick it. It's Lickamade, you know. It's one of life's essentials. Anyway, he had all this great stuff. He had all this great stuff in his, in his desk. And so we love this. Because if you wanted a snack, you knew where to go. My mother couldn't figure out why I wanted to go to school early and why I wasn't packing a lunch. I said, well, I gotta check in with Billy, see what he's, got in, what he's got in stock. So anyway, Billy's got this going. And the reason we all looked up to him, he was six feet tall in second grade. This guy, was a, he was a giant, okay? And so we had Sister Caroline in, in grade two. And Sister Caroline, was a, she was probably about six four. Um, one thing I know about the nuns that this, I went to, they were Dominicans, these wonderful, these wonderful women, I'm telling you, I don't know, I couldn't have done their job, wouldn't do their job. But the one thing I know about several of those, those amazing nuns is that if there was a female bos- boxing Olympic team, three or four of them would have gold medaled in it. I mean, they had right crosses and left hooks that you, you, you wouldn't even see coming, they were incredible. So anyway, Sister Caroline, and she had, this, she had this black hanger hanging right by the front door when you'd come in, and she never hung anything on it, and I couldn't figure out what's up with the black hanger. So one day, just out of the blue, she goes to the back of the room, and she, t- she starts confiscating all of Billy's stuff. It's like, wait a minute, that, you can't close down a dispensary. What is going on here? This is where we go. This is the PX. We've got to get our stuff. She's, she's taking everything out of his desk, and she's putting it in the bag and said, no more of this. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what am I going to, you know, you, it's all personal now. You know, it's the, it's the pleasure versus pain. The pain's coming, man. This is, this is not good. And we're not getting, we're not, we had what we wanted. Now we're losing what we had. So Billy's not happy. And we're all sitting there kind of in shock, thinking we had this great secret. Nobody knew. Cleans out the desk. About five minutes go by, and all of a sudden, Billy stands up, and he says, I quit. And I'm like, you can quit? How come nobody told me that you can quit? Now, now I really love this guy. My God, I can quit? Nobody told me, I'm with you, hey. And, I, and, and I'm thinking, I'm not saying a word because I'm sweating bullets. Because I'm, you know when you're there and you're, it, it's all new and, and there's tension in the room and you're little, you're just, you're just right in it with everybody. You just, you know, it, it may not be the stuff in your desk and it, you may not be in trouble, but you're just, you've got so much empathy. You're suffering right along with them. So I'm just dripping wet. And he, yeah, he stands up and he says, I quit. And as, as he says it, he heads for the front door. And, and she, Sister Caroline leaps over a desk to try and grab him and he just spun out of her grab and he went right out the front door. So she 
put herself together very quickly, and she's right behind him. But as she goes out the front door, she grabs that black hanger that's always been hanging there. And so there's 30 of us sitting there like, whoa, look at this. <clears throat> he's quit, and he's going home right now. So we all shuffle over to the window because right along the classroom was the street, and you could look right out, and you could look about a block and a half down. And there's Billy. He's just running. We're all at the window, and we're looking, and Billy's running like crazy, and he's running as fast as he can. But I'll tell you what, Sister Caroline, she had her habit pulled up above her knees, and she is right behind him, and she is tracking him down. For every two steps he took, he was, she was gaining a step, and she's after him. So all of a sudden, there's a, there's a hill that, that they disappeared over. They went down, and they went over the hill. So we're all standing there waiting. We're just staring at the hill. Nobody's saying a word. A couple, a couple of people had to go to the restroom. They were so excited, you know, like playing hide and seek. And I got, I'll be right back. They shuffled off and they shuffled back in. And everybody's just standing there. And all of a sudden you see the top of Sister Caroline's habit. Kind of, you could just barely see it. And she's got Billy. Well, now when Billy went over the hill, when he disappeared, he had both shoes on. And, he, and we all wore a tie, and we all wore a shirt. We all had to wear a shirt and a tie. So one sleeve was missing, and he had one shoe on. And he had holes in both knees, and she's got a hold of his hair. And she's got that hanger, and about every fifth step, she's just whacking him on his behind. So now I'm thinking, <clears throat> I don't think quitting's a good idea. <laughs> I really don't. And then they brought him in. We didn't see him for the rest of the day. They put him in the office, and then his mom had to come. And uh, I realized, you know, that in that experience, all the things that the, the Buddha was talking about, the pleasure and the pain. You know, we had Billy, man, and we just loved this guy, and he had this whole thing set up. Actually, I heard later that he actually uh, owns a, a wholesale food company now, and he distributes, so... It was early training, but we didn't have the vision. We couldn't see it then. We see it now. And, we, and, and the praise, you know, we all, we all had this praise going on, and then all of a sudden it became blame. We were doing something wrong. This, the fame versus the disgrace, you know, that here's this guy, Mr. Popular, and now he's not so popular. He's famous now. He's infamous now. And getting what we want or losing what we have. So... This is wonderful teaching. The, the Buddhist teaching is, is wonderful teaching. I think Buddhism is the closest modality in the West to what we teach. Now, the, Buddha, the Buddhists don't put much focus on God. They, they talk about the clarification and the, the filtering and the purification of thought. Dr. Holmes used to say that you know, to learn how to think is to learn how to live. He also said ignorance, ignorance persists until enlightenment. we have enlightenment. And then we put down the useful littleness. See, we have littleness in our lives that's useful. And when we put it down, when we finally put it down, some great things can happen. So it's important for us, I think, when, these, when life happens, and it's, it's foreign for us because we think that, that we're so good at thinking things through and, anal and analyzing things and we're, we're so attached to things. And that's, that's our way of being in the West. When, when uh, Pima's teacher came to the West, she introduced a very, he introduced a very simple uh, meditation practice. And it was too simple for people. The people in the West needed a little bit more to focus on. So he said, well, just touch the breath lightly. About 25% of your attention should be on your breath. And he got very much into the physicality of what meditation should look like for people because it gave people's minds something to do. 
Because we're so busy in the West. We're so busy with the, the thinking and the, the analyzing. And what happens is with, with the dharmas, with these eight dharmas, praise and criticism, fame, uh, the pain versus pleasure, praise, praise versus criticism and blame, fame versus disgrace, and the gain, getting what we want, losing what we have. All of these things, we just make stuff up about them. It's, it's stuff we make up. We're making it all up. We really are. I mean, I think we know that as metaphysicians. We make up the stories around our lives. Because our lives are just our lives. And, and, so, and I think what's healthy about that, when we can step back and we can step out of the drama, you know, I, I just remember the, the, the electricity in the air when, when Billy Frankie quit second grade. You know, that was, I don't know, that was 40 years ago. I'm still talking about it, ain't I? You know? But I mean, but, but that, was, that, was an, that was an amazing experience for us. The whole, the whole group, collectively, and for him. You know, and, and it wasn't in our best interest to quit. I mean, there, there, was, there was great value in being there. And it taught us so many things. But, but how many times in our lives would we just want to stand up and say, I quit. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not getting what I want. And, and if we can be in it, if we can be in it and not be, you know, Jesus said it. He said, be, be in the world, but not of the world. I think when we get caught up, I think what the Buddhists are talking about is being being of the world, being affected by the world, because things happen. There's suffering that happens. I've had, I had four things this week. I won't go into details, but all of them I had planned on showing up differently than I did. And so how I showed up, I got, I, I got hooked by things. Pima says when you can look at yourself where you're hooked, when things happen in your life and you realize, man, I'm, this, this doesn't work, this ticks me off. This, this, this situation, but when you realize where you're hooked, it's great learning. It's great learning to observe and look at it because then you can, once you come to that, that point of observation in your life, it's the same thing Eckhart Tolle talks about. He talks about the pain body, and when you bring consciousness, when you bring awareness to the pain body, just in that simple act of bringing the awareness, things shift and change. And so for all of us to be able to do that when we're in it, and, and for myself, so I'm teaching this t- with you, I'm sharing these ideas with you, and then four things come into my life this week, and finally on Thursday I went home after one exciting event, which I won't go into detail, and I flopped down on the couch, because I was totally exhausted, because I'd just completely, totally given myself emotionally to a situation. Laura wasn't home yet, but I was pl- planning my speech when she came in the door to announce, I can no longer do this job, we need to start packing and looking for something else to do. But I realized, and, and an interesting thing is I've, I've hooked up with a, a, a coach that I've worked with on and off over the last few years, wonderful coach, and I have some things I want to get done. I have some things I'm really committed to, and this is an amazing person, and so we're really working on a specific area that have, and, some, and some certain mindsets around a certain area because I feel called to do this uh, in a huge way. So I'm, I'm doing this and, and I'm having this whole week and she calls me and she says, I can't stop thinking about you. What's going on? I started to laugh. I said, great, I can't even get away from you. <laughs> but I'm sharing, you, I'm, not, I'm sharing this with you energetically, about the energetics of it because when those things happen and, and, and I told her what, I, I you know, I, I, I um, processed with her a bit and she said okay all right you've set these intentions and everything unlike it showed up this week you skin your knees get back on the bike start riding again and I said thanks you know that's, sometimes that's all it takes hey you made a commitment you made a vow and you, 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 you and you didn't fulfill it get back on the bike and start riding it again oh sweet thanks for calling me 
Because we need people in our lives. I think we need to surround ourselves with people that are awake and aware. That's the Buddha. Are you enlightened? He says, no, I'm awake. I'm just awake. And when we're awake to our lives, when we're awake to the... You know, I, the, 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 um, I've started writing a bit, and I've started thinking about my life and the stories, and the stories are just... You know, the story about Billy, I thought, you know what, that was a great, that's a great learning there. It's a great story to write about. Because at the time I started thinking about this, I don't have a lot to write about. Kind of man, and, and all of a sudden the stories just come flooding in and I've got this little book that I write the, the idea down so I can, I can flesh it out later. But it's, it's, it's amazing to look at our lives, to be able to step back and look at our lives because otherwise the world's a scary place. The world is a scary place and our feelings are scary. And when, when we can be in the emotion of something, when we can have the emotion and not respond to it so that we can observe, at least catch ourselves before we step into it, before we have to you know, make amends or whatever we have to do, it's great practice for us. I don't think it keeps us from saying or doing the right things. I think it actually helps us do the things more effectively that we want to do. Because I want to live in the passion of life. We had this discussion the other day at the Science of Mind ministerial class, and someone we're doing world religions right now. We're talking about Buddhism. And the Buddhism have an approach to life that, that I don't know if I could be a, a devout Buddhist. The Buddhists have such a, they, they love the middle way. And I honor that middle way. And I can use more of that in my life. But I, I love going to the Eagles concert and whooping it up with everybody. And I love the passion of life. I love being involved with that. The, the energy of it. The, the vibrancy of it. To get up. Laura was up dancing. We're screaming and hollering and having just the best time. And I thought, this is it. You know, here's God, here's God expressing. And we come together collectively. I mean, that's a spiritual experience. People had a spiritual experience last night. That's what music does for us. It puts us into that it puts us into that space of, of radiance. It's a, it's a radiant experience. And radiance is just the place to live. I mean, when I, when, I'll tell you personally, when I live in the radiance, when I'm connected, so what I do now when I start to forget, I've got this little, you may have seen me, I've worn this for about three years. My other one wore out. I've got this uh, Buddhist little bracelet here. It's on a little expanded elastic uh, string and I've worn it every day don't take it off typically and what I do now is I snap my wrist when I want to remind myself hey radiance radiance man that's where we're going fulfillment radiance and fulfillment what are you doing right now to, to support radiance and fulfillment because that's for me what that says to me what's, what radiance and fulfillment means to me is that I'm on track to do the things that I feel called to do that I've done some things today that allow me to move in that direction and when I live in that I'm at peace I'm not futurizing, I'm not pasteurizing, I'm living in the peace of the moment. And when I'm in the peace of the moment, when I, I can listen, and the stories start to bubble up, and the memories, and the feelings. You know, I started talking to you about radiance last week, about those moments, and I, I, I thought back the first time I saw a mountain. went to Colorado. I went home with, with a friend of mine for Christmas, and, and I saw Pikes Peak for the first time. I'd never seen a mountain in my life. And I thought, oh. I'll never be the same. Never be the same. It was just, but you forget. You forget. You know, and then when you, when you take time to be present, all of a sudden those, those movies, all those great movies we have, all of those wonderful experiences we've had in our lives have an opportunity to bubble up. I shared with you last week, I went out when I was at Outward Bound, maybe I didn't talk about early service somewhere. Is, is you, if you come to all three services, eventually you hear all the stories. But 
I went to Outward Bound when I was 17 years old, and I'd never been camping. And Outward Bound is an experience where they take you and they just regress you back and back and back in terms of uh, physically wearing you out and challenging you as well as mentally and emotionally. And it's an amazing experience. It, it, was, a, it was a pivotal moment in my life. I never went into the military, and I'm sure that's a, a, you know, the military is a whole different experience. But Outward Bound was, I, I, I self-selected. And went through that, applied for a scholarship and was given one, and, and it was an amazing experience. But what they did is they just kept taking the creature comforts away until pr- pretty soon all you, you, were, you were in, it was your heartbeat. The, only, the, the, the instructor came out the first day and he says, this may not make sense to you, but, and there were probably th- 300 young men there, and they put us in platoons. And it was very, it was very challenging for many. I, it was very challenging for me. But he said, you will reach a point here if you stick this out where the thing that will be the most precious to you is your own heartbeat. And I thought, hmm, that'll be interesting. You know, what's that all about? But, but to, to filter it out and, and, and that purity of the moment and the radiant moment of we, at the end of this experience, and you're really in great shape physically because you're canoeing and portaging constantly. And I was the biggest guy in the group, and I got to carry the kitchen. So I had this 90-pound Duluth pack I carried everywhere when we're portaging with a canoe on my head in this 90-pound pack with this forehead strap, and we're lumbering along through the, the boundary waters in northern Minnesota. They're, the Outward Bound program is all over the world. It's an amazing program. And, and so I, I carried that kitchen everywhere. And um, it was an incredible experience, though, because as, you, as we got to the end, we were asked to run this sort of mini-marathon. We ran several miles, and we canoed several miles, we portaged several miles. And we all got strung out. Nobody was together. And I had this illusion as I was running into camp that you know, everybody be there, all my buddies from my platoon, because we really bonded. We had a really tight group of guys, and we worked really well together. We found that we, one of us had the skills with the map, one of us had skills with cooking, one of us had skills to carry the kitchen, one of us had skills to entertain. So between entertaining and carrying the kitchen, I had my roles filled. But we, I ran into camp, and there was nobody there. I, but the whole time I'm running, and it's about a, it was about an eight-mile run. I'm running into the camp thinking, yeah, they're going to be there. It'll be a t- ticker tape parade and everything. I run into the camp. There's nobody there. Everybody just came to camp went to the cabin. And then we packed our stuff because we were going home that afternoon at the end of 30 days of doing this. And I just thought, isn't this interesting? Here I was thinking that the story I was telling myself, I was making it up. And, and I, I, was, I was in the thralls of it. I was celebrating, you know, with victory. And uh, I made it back. Everybody made it back. It was such a great learning. It was such a great experience to realize that the, the joy in it, the victory in it, was just the individual victory. All of the, the things that we learn about ourselves, all of those struggles and challenges. There were many times I wanted to go home. I wanted to quit. I wanted to stand up like Billy. So I quit because it was hard. We've all had those experiences. And I don't, think, I don't think being present in the moment means we won't have those experiences again. I just simply think that if we have the mindfulness to catch ourselves, and I'm with you. Those four experiences I had this week, I thought, flunked, next. And then they get going again, you know, and I'd remember, and I'd swear I'm going to remember, and I promise I'm going to remember, and I'm going to remind myself whenever I can. And then I'd forget and flunk, and then, and then I'd promise myself again, you know, and pretty, by the fourth time I was like, oh, my gosh, forget it. I'm no good at this. Thank God my coach called me and said, what is going on? I can't stop thinking about you. Well, let me tell you what I've been doing. It's not pretty. <laughs> but I don't, think there, I don't think we can go back. I don't think we can go back to sleep. I don't think we can give up on ourselves. I think we have to do the work. And I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong. We're so good at criticizing ourselves and others. We're so good 
at, at having an opinion about everything or having to fix everything or having a problem with the current conditions of the world politically or, you know, with the Oilers. How about those Oilers? We, Laura and I were at the game, not the one where we had the drunk last week, but the, the game before, and there were three guys behind us, and they were saying everything we were thinking. You talk about one mind, and we were laughing through the whole game. I never stayed at the end of an Oiler game. There's eight minutes left. I'm out. I know these guys are going to do it, and if they score a goal in the last minute, I'll listen to it on the radio because I want to get out of this parking lot. All the excitement is done for me. You know, I'm more excited about getting home early than I am sitting there for 45 minutes staring at some guy's bumper. And, and, and the, the beauty of these guys was they never once used profanity. That's what I, I don't like going to the hockey game and sitting next to some guy that every, every word is, you know, the F-bomb or whatever it may be. It's just no fun. I just think it's just, it just cheapens the whole experience. These guys, and they, I mean, they, they were some burly, tough-looking guys. Never said a blue word. It was, and it was so funny. And their favorite phrase was, was the love, for the love of God, would somebody please shoot the puck? So Laura and I had that little catch phrase back and forth. It was just, it was priceless. I said, these guys need to be on the radio. I would, I would be on the radio every day listening to these guys. It was hilarious, everything they're thinking, everything we're thinking they're saying. It was beautiful, a beautiful experience. But isn't it, I mean, isn't life so rich when we're awake and we're present in the moments and the joy that we can find? You know, I'm looking at Johnny and, and uh, Aggie sitting there. Where they, the, kids, the teens did that. Uh, you know, our teens aren't here right now. They're at winter camp. You know, this experience for teens is amazing. Our teens here, to have this teaching in your life at such an early age, oh my God, I'm telling you. And, and they're, God bless Reverend Catherine Cardinal and, and working with those teens because, man, her energy pours into it. But the teens did that, that, that rave here last week. It was awesome. It was awesome. And Johnny and Aggie were here with their little granddaughter. She was running around from two to, we had people from two to, I don't know what, 106 or something like that. And they're all dancing. But it was beautiful. It was a beautiful experience. But it was the present moment. It's those present moments. And so when we're futurizing or pastorizing, we can't have those present moments together. And I think it's so important to realize and share our humanity. You know, it's not about us ever being perfect. I think it's about us cutting some slack for ourselves. When we forget, you get back on the bike and you pedal some more and say, hey, you know what? Now I know even more clearly what that feels like. And that doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to be loving, not loving to self. She says, uh, Pima says this, that... When we're relaxing in the present moment, we can relax with the hopelessness. We can relax with death because everything is dying. This moment is dying. This moment is dying. We won't have this moment again. And, 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 we're, and we're afraid of death. But everything, everything shifts and changes. I mean, even literally. I thought so much about Sue this week and, and, and when she was with her mother helping. And I, I'll tell you, I'm in, prayer. I'm in prayer with so many people in this community that things are changing and shifting and dying. Jobs, parents. We had a birth this week, Carl and uh, Jen uh, uh, McPhee. They had twin girls last night. And, so, uh, and, and Carl has already told me that one will one day be an Olympic figure skater and the other one will, is going to be a nuclear physicist, I think. So it's good to know. But isn't it wonderful to welcome that life into it and celebrate that with great joy? But why don't we celebrate the deaths as well? Because it's all, it's all moving forward. We're all, we're all moving in a direction. The things that I long to be, the things, the fulfillment that I want to live in, the awareness I want to have so that I don't have four, four events in my week where I go, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I thought I had this figured out. 
but in order to, to move closer in that direction, I have to be present with what is. I have to love what is. And I have to be able to say, this too is for good. This too is for God. This too is for me. And the blessing that is within this, I demand that it be revealed to me right now. That's Emma Curtis Hopkins. This is too is for good. This too is for God. This too is for me. And I demand that the blessings that, this, that are within this are revealed to me now. Because there's blessings in all of it. There really is. So it's important for us to lighten up. It's important for us to be in the present moment. It doesn't mean we're, our opinions are going to go away. It doesn't mean that lifetime of, of things. And, uh, but, but the blaming can stop. When we, start to, when we start to love and honor ourselves and who and what we are and have compassion for ourselves and accept ourselves as we are, not that it means we're stuck. I think we confuse saying I accept everything as it is to saying I'm, I quit. It doesn't mean you quit. It means you, you're more present with the moment. When, when you're more present with the moment, you can make better choices. You can be more selective. Then the world's not a scary place. I had a minister called me yesterday. We did prayer work together. I love it, and I love doing prayer work with people because when I'm praying with somebody, I'm praying for myself. It keeps me in that. It keeps my con- conversation in heaven. And he said, I'm going to Mexico, and I'm worried because there's a lot of people being hurt in Mexico. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm concerned. And I said, tell you what, let's do this. This is what I'm going to know for you. You can borrow my belief about this, but what I know is there are millions and millions and millions of wonderful, loving, caring Mexican people. And you are drawn to those folks like a magnet. And every meal that you eat is prepared with love and care and is healthy and full of life. And every person you encounter as you go down there and travel, every person is in great service to you. And you acknowledge that and you know that. And you draw that to yourself like a, like a moth to a flame. And that is my knowing for you, that you are safe, that you are always where you need to be. And I know that for him. I'm, he's borrowing my belief. And sometimes when I'm spinning, I've got to call him and say, hey man, can you help me with this? I'm struggling in this area. Well, I'll know this for you. We can support one another. We can be in these beautiful prayer relationships. We can keep our conversation in heaven. Because we're having conversations anyway. Why not keep them in heaven? And so it is. <clears throat> I'm uh, feeling so relaxed right now, it's ridiculous, so I better get myself psyched up. <laughs> this, uh, I've been coming, uh, I've been playing here as a soloist uh, off and on since 2004. It's been a really wonderful privilege. I've been very attracted to this place, uh, to the people here, to the, to the teaching. And I started the, the 100 series course last fall. And I think the thing that attracts me most, and I'm into attraction, not promotion, <laughs> just Take a look at my music career. No, it's just a joke. Just a joke. Um, and so um, I read some Eckhart Toller, and I was contemplating, you know, becoming a member. And um, I wanted to know, I wanted to understand what it meant, you know, that the perfection that lies within. And I wanted to understand the silence beneath the silence. And so I wrote this song. It's called Life is Perfect. Listen to the sound of the city. I listen to it all night long. City lights and falling angels, and I can hear the siren song. 
Smoke the avenue In my quiet solitude The streets are dark and bright It seems like no one's there Life is perfect after all Oh, I used to live a life of self-pity Living on yesterday Always worried about tomorrow Loving my misery to me What you believe is what you see So I just changed my mind Look within and now I find Life is perfect after all Beautiful, beautiful. So our ushers come forward. Let's, let's bless this offering this day. 
And as we give, as we give, let's know that we receive in like measure and like kind. And so I just give thanks this day. Come on in. Good morning. We bless this day. We bless this opportunity to share and to give. For as we step into that flow of life, we give because we can. And what I know is that there's a, we are giving birth to something powerful and wonderful. We continue to nurture that. Keep our conversations in heaven. So I give thanks. I give thanks for this beautiful community, all the beautiful teachers and mentors and authors that have influenced my life, influenced your lives. We give thanks. Let us know that as we give this day that our programs continue to be powerful and wonderful. We are called to greater service for ourselves, for our our community, and for our larger community of Edmonton and the world. For this I give thanks for the opportunity to give and share. Together we say, and so it is. I'd like to invite our practitioners and ministerial team to come up on the platform with me. Well, well done getting here this morning. Good job. For all of us, for me included. Barb called me at 9.30, said, you coming? I said, yeah, I'll be there. Oh, golly. Anyway. And we have Gans Ferentz in the back. I just want to give him a boost. He's got a wonderful workshop coming up, and he's just an awesome, awesome instructor in consciousness. And I, I adore that man. Jay Willis is back there. What are you selling, Jay? CDs? The CD launch. All right, and Sue Stevens next to Gans back there. So if you're interested in any of that, they're back there. Let's know this together. One life, one power, one infinite divine intelligence in and through and as all of life. I claim it as my own in this moment. That one life is my life. And so there is no place within me that is not fully supported, amplified, resourced, inspired. My physical being is one of brilliance. I call forth the balance and the harmony of the infinite divine presence in and through and as myself, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And I know what to do, where to do it, and when to do it. For I am always living in that radiance and divine connection. And if I forget, I bring myself back immediately and I love and honor and cherish myself. This day, and as I do that for myself, I do it for the world. 
for there is no private good. For this I give thanks. I take this energy, this declaration, this love, this light, this truth, this power into the world with me. Everywhere I go, I am a gift. With that said, I give thanks. I release these words. And together we know it. And together we say, and so it is. Let's sing. Yeah, please stand and join us. Come home. Oh, we are. 